0: Hey guys, this is our weekly podcast by Cornerstone Church of Ione. We're so glad that you decided to join. We are a church family passionate about seeing people worship Jesus, grow in their faith, and serve those around them. If you would like to learn more about Cornerstone, please visit us at cornerstoneion.org or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. As they are headed out, there's a couple things. I have some notes about some announcements. Uh, Jack already did a great job on one of them that we had in here, and that is the uh, Rest Home Ministry. Um, we just want to kind of, again, just touch on what we're doing there. Uh, Tony Bubing used to kind of take this ministry on, and when he had left many years ago, he had to sit down with me and uh, explain to me how important this ministry was, and, and at the same time, you, you do your best, and if, and if it's not good, you just keep doing it, you know and uh, it just meant a lot to him and it's an interesting odd environment sometimes to be in and um, so when he left i started just kind of doing it myself just so i could learn how it works and what's going on and what i learned was uh, that there are real people in our community that don't have the ability to leave that location Um, because they themselves can't drive, or they don't want to hire somebody to drive with them, or there's no family in town uh, to take them somewhere. And so when Sunday rolls around, there's several churches in our community that have taken on, uh, after essentially the morning service, we go out and we do a service for them. And um, in that process, I, I learned a couple things. And uh, I just want to share them briefly. One is that it is an awkward ministry. And those of you who have gone before know that there can be awkward moments. There are people that think that you're somebody you're not actually while you're there. Um, they don't remember the conversations. They talk at times they're not supposed to talk and don't talk when you're hoping they would talk. And, and, and I think that what, what I learned is that that's okay. Right? that it's, it's going to be awkward sometimes and that's okay. There's literally um, biological and physical things that they can and can't do or things that happen that they can't control and, and you're there. And, uh, and so if you're like, well, it's kind of awkward so that makes me nervous to go, uh, what Bob Hole and I would ask is that um, that you just kind of step through that and uh, just do it if you can. And um, another thing that I learned is that uh, a couple times a year is helpful. That if you're like, well, I can't do it once a month or I can't do it, you know, every other month. But if there's a couple times you can go, we put it in the bulletin for a reason. Like today, it, Bob holds numbers in there. You can call Bob and say, hey, I'd like to go. I can, I can be there for 40 minutes. Would that be helpful? And he'd say, absolutely, and you can go. Uh, the, the other thing that I learned, and this helps, I think, all of us realize Um, The phase of life that some of these people are in. um, There are people that that will request a visitor. You can request somebody to come talk to you. And they ask, um, who? And they say, anybody. There's legitimate, real people in these facilities that just want to talk to anybody. And we can be that for them. And maybe for you and I, it's just going to be a couple of times a year. But I think that that's helpful. And that's what Bob, who has taken this on, um, would like also. Just a couple of people just make it happen. Um, when I would go, I would bring one of my kids at a time. I'm not bringing all five. I'm not going to ruin things there. But like, you know, I'm going to bring one at a time. And they, they love having the kids there. They love it. And also, I think it teaches my kids a valuable lesson too. But that's separate. So um, anyways, I think that's important. Um, Also, on a completely different note, completely different note, we do have a dinner theater coming up. It is one time a year around Christmas where we bring in hundreds of people into this area right here. And then um, one way or another, attempt to communicate the gospel. Um, All of the plays that we have done, except for one, I believe, have been A pluses. Uh, One, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but... Uh, this is just another, it's good. There is an actual practical path to share the gospel with these people, and um, and I think that we should, ju- I think that it's, it's really great. And, and, and what I'd like to do is, I'm giving you a heads up now, and you're like, oh, well, what's the play called? What's, like, and this is all we want to happen this morning. That we believe it's a great tool for evangelism in our community. Um, around we got this special time around Christmas where we can present the gospel to whoever shows up. And it takes a bunch of work to do it and so the dates um they've been in the bulletin they're going to be in the bulletin uh still um uh, jim's contact info is there we're going to have signups we need people that will uh possibly cook tri-tips you don't even have to be here you don't have to be around people necessarily right Uh, we need people that uh, build sets and paint before the thing even happens we need a cleanup team afterwards we need actors and actresses we need people in the sound booth we need light people. We need people that seat people um, when they come in. We need waiters and waitresses um, to come in. Uh, so what we'd ask is that if you are at all willing to help, block those dates out. And, uh, and when you see a sign-up come around, sign up for it and, uh, and help us out with that ministry. Think it'd be, uh, we think it's going to be pretty good. Um, lastly, I don't know if any of them are in this service because they were all in the last service. But we have five new members to formally welcome into membership. We have Sarah and Austin Bobo. Um, they are typically first service, and they were again uh, this week. Mary and Steve Alvizo. They typically sit right over there. Um, and then also Flynn Shiro. She usually sits right over there, but all of them are pretty much first service people. So anyways, if you know any of them, uh, say hi to them. It's, uh, it's exciting to have them. Uh, with that, what I would like to do is take a moment and just pray for us as we start a brand new series that's going to take a lot of time to get to. There's a lot of tough questions, uh, but I think it's going to be fruitful for us, so let's pray. Father, we thank You for um, another week to come and worship You and glorify You together. There's something special about gathering together, and we feel it and see it and experience it week after week after week. As we have things like uh, rest home ministries and dinner theater ministries and children's ministries and youth ministries and men and women's ministries and small group ministries, my prayer is that... um, we don't have programs just for programs, but we, we are organized um, in our convictions and responses to what you'd have us do. And that in the end, our heart um, would be in that place. That we would be regularly re- reminded that this, this has very little to do with us and, and, and everything to do with you. And um, we thank you for that. As we uh, start a new study, we look at your word. I pray that we would see this as the ultimate Authority laid before us, given to us, handed down to us so that we can know who our God is and who we are and, uh, and how to live this life and, and pray that you'd be glorified through every step of this process um, and that uh, you would give me the right words to say each week and, and remove from me any of the foolishness that may come out of my mouth. Father, open and soften our hearts and in Jesus Christ's name, Amen. Amen. All right, so as you guys know, we have finished Luke. We did Luke for a purpose because we want to get into Acts. And um, I think that there is a feeling that some of us have, have met in that in, in as we have studied Luke, we more get the idea of Acts and long for Acts to follow it. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced a movie that has the to be continued. How many, have you guys ever seen a movie that ends that says to be continued? Have any of you like been caught off guard by that? You didn't know that that, that was going to happen. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's no good. It's no good. Um, I'm thinking of a movie right now. Uh, have you guys? How many of you guys have watched Inception? Okay, I don't recommend movies, by the way. I'm just asking a question. If you've watched Inception, uh, let me. I'm going to do my best to describe this movie. Those of you who have watched Inception, you're like, good luck, buddy. But I'm going I'm to do my best, very simply, to explain this movie. So, there is a team that can infiltrate dreams essentially. And they have purposes for wanting to do this. Uh, One of the purposes that they will infiltrate dreams, and I'm not going to tell you the practice of how they do that, right, because I don't really understand it altogether, but they get into these dreams, and there's kind of two purposes. One is that um, if you want somebody to think a different way or maybe consider something, but they haven't thought of it, you can go into their dream and cause them to think of it in their dream, and then they'll wake up and they'll be like, oh, that is interesting. And that possibly along that way you can implant thoughts and ideas and change the course of history. And another reason that you do this is that, say, you wanted a password to a safe and you didn't know that password. Or you could infiltrate somebody's dream and, and design this dream in such a way where either that person would tell you the combination to the safe or you could stand in kind of a third person stance and watch them uh, use that safe and put in. That code into the safe, and so there's there's reasons why they want to infiltrate these dreams and the movies around that well there's a side plot going along the whole time where and i 'm going to totally ruin this movie so if you guys ever want to watch it, you should not listen to this part um, actually i'll probably do such a bad job explaining it it'll all be new when you watch it but so there's a side plot going on where there's this, there's this uh, this man who people believe killed his wife. And so now he's worried he's going to lose his kids and he misses his spouse. And so there's this tension going on over here. And essentially what happens is, um, they go in and they're going like several levels deep into these dreams. Okay. And apparently that's very dangerous. And part of the thing, when you go into these dreams, you got to know when you're out of the dream, right? I don't know if you guys have ever had those dreams where you think you're awake and you're not. Um, I've had some very embarrassing moments with that, Um, but I've definitely thought I was awake before, and I was absolutely not awake, because it makes no sense when you're actually awake. So how do you do that? They have these things called totems in the movie, and one of them is a top that you spin. Now, in a dreamland, this is it here, in the dreamland, you spin that top, and it'll keep spinning forever, for eternity, and that's how this person will know I'm still in the dream world. And, uh, and then he, when he's outside of the dream world, he tests it again. He will spin it again. And what will happen is what happens in everyday life for us. You spin the top, there's friction, there's gravity, and it slowly slows down and topples over, and you know, I'm in real world now. Now... Keeping in mind, they're going deep into these dreams and they all know, need to know a way out and they need to know when, what phase of the dreamland they're in and when they're finally into reality. And there's a side plot where he wants to be able to essentially kind of exonerate himself so he can spend the rest of his life with his kids and not be separated from his kids. So this mission is over. I won't ruin that. And he comes home and he's going to test to make sure he's in reality. And he spins that top and starts spinning. Well, as that happens, you hear the giggles of kids outside, and he looks outside, and his kids are out there. And so he goes out there, and the kids run to him, and the the camera kind of zooms into this moment here, and he's hugging his kids, and uh, there's music that kind of starts playing, and the camera kind of comes out and goes over to an angle, and what begins to come into the screen is that top that's spinning on the table. That for him is going to determine, is this a dream or is this real life? And as that camera comes out and pans over and gets that in there, you realize, well, wait a second. What's the top going to do? Is it going to spin forever, meaning he's still in a dream? Or is it going to topple over? I mean, this is real life and it worked. And it slowly zooms in and zooms in and zooms in. And it kind of, the volume comes up. You can hear the friction of it making the noise of spinning on the counter. And then just as it gives a slight little, little shake, the camera goes out. The movie's over. And you're like, no, wait a second. Was it real life or was it not? And then you're sitting in bed and you think the movie's over. At three in the morning, you wake up. You're like, does he know he's in dreamland? Did he do that on purpose? And it just ends. And so then you wait for part two to come out. There is no part two, by the way. That's how they left it. Now similarly, the to be continued part, if it says to be continued, what you look forward to is the next. And you're kind of on this cliffhanger a bit because it has set you up so well for something in the future to happen. You want that. And I think that that's kind of what happens when you begin to see the connection of Luke and Acts. You get down to the end of Luke and then it's like, to be continued. And there's this feeling, this little bit of attention. We're like, we want to get into Acts now. Let's see what happens now. And I think that's for good reason because we see in Luke, we see Jesus. Uh, he, we see his his. Uh, incarnation. We see his life. We see him fulfill the law. We see him fulfilling Old Testament prophecies as uh, humanity has waited 400 years of silence between Old Testament and New Testament that now there is the Messiah coming. You have the forerunner going. It's beginning to confirm this is the Messiah. He preaches and teaches and does miracles affirming what he has said and fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies which more and more and more cause people to believe this is the one true God, Messiah coming to save the world and reconcile people to the heavenly father and so then he he gets towards the end of Luke you get to this point where Jesus is saying I've got to go to Jerusalem I'm headed to Jerusalem I'm going to give myself unto the cross to accomplish these purposes I will be uh, killed and I'll be placed in a tomb and buried and then I'll raise to life again and then as you see the end of Luke unfold, you see this horrific crucifixion. You see that he is on a cross and he dies as he said he would. And then you see that he is buried. It's not that on the way. He shakes it off and he's, like, he's dead. And then for three days he says he will be dead. And we see for three days that he is dead. And then for us, hindsight's twenty we're reading along saying, does he raise to life? Does he beat death? Is he God? And if he is God, it means that everything that he said is true, and it changes the world. And then we see Jesus raised from the dead, go and show himself to hundreds of people, and then have this moment with his disciples where he says that uh, you have this mission now to go and uh, tell people the good news, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey my commands. And then he begins, Jesus is ascending into heaven and at one point it says that he is gone yet they are straining to see where he is. And then these two men in white robes show up and they say, he is gone. He will come again. In the same way that he left. And so then we're left, he's scrambling like, what was the what, what, what was what was some of the last things Jesus said? He said, go do these things, but then he also said something. He said, wait. And then you're gonna go and do these things when I give you this gift that I promised you. And the screen goes black. Luke's over. And then Acts begins. Acts, absolutely, could be Luke, volume two, right? Luke and Acts are together. And what we're gonna look at this morning is a couple things. We're gonna look at, um, as Luke ends and Acts begins, there's an overlap, we're gonna look at five overlaps. If you guys have ever seen a Venn diagram, think Venn diagram, there's uh, Luke and then there's Acts and then there's a center where they kind of overlapped for uh, a moment. We're gonna look at those five overlaps and then we're gonna ask a couple questions to get our brains going. I'm going to read a bit from the uh, Heidelberg Catechism, and then we're going to end with a video that walks us through the first 12 chapters of Acts. That's the plan today. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to open to Acts chapter 1 so that we can follow along and study together. Um, We're going to read 1 through 5 now and work all the way through 11 in the end. So 1 through 5 right now. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of heaven. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So on the next slide, we'll kind of zoom in on a text here. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. So let's stop there for a second. There's a couple overlap sections we see here. First, that Luke was written, Luke wrote to Theophilus, and then we also see that Acts begins being addressed to Theophilus again. Now some would say that this maybe is just people loved by God because of the word Theophilus, um, but because in Luke, most excellent Theophilus, it's a, it's a person in a position, a specific person, and there's not much doubt around that, so then we affirm again, this is written to a person named Theophilus. So that overlaps and is similar. I want to read to you Luke chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. They used eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I also have decided to write an account for you. Part of what's being said there is that the purpose of Luke is to talk about everything from the beginning until Jesus ascends and making sure that it is true and that it is accurate and that Theophilus can have confidence in what he believes. There's two things that happen there. One, we see the Theophilus portion, but also we are affirmed about what, the beginning of Acts is saying what Luke was doing. And we can affirm that that is what he did because he just studied it. Verse 4 of Acts chapter 1 says this, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days he'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem in Acts. Guess what the end of Luke says? It says, wait, do not leave Jerusalem yet. It's saying wait. Luke chapter twenty-four, verse forty nine. This is the very, very, very end of Luke. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Again, it's overlap. End end of Luke, beginning of Acts. On another slide, this is Acts chapter 1. This will be verses 6 through 11. It says this, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking Him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people, about me everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. There were further in instructions. Right? End of Luke says that it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in authority to all the nations, and then goes on to say, And you are the witnesses that will go and do that. In the beginning of Acts, says the same thing. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So both of them have this overlap where there's this mission, right? They're going to go do something now. It's not over. It's not Jesus did his thing, and now he's like, now just kind of go into idle, put the car into neutral, and chill until it return. There's a mission that these, uh, these apostles are going to go on. They have a, jo- a job to be done, empowered by this gift that is coming, and they're to wait for it. And there's overlap, end of Luke and beginning of Acts. And fifth, and lastly, there's an ascension. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising to the heavens, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. They said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. Jesus ascends in both. End of Luke talks about the ascension of Jesus, beginning of Acts, the ascension of Jesus. Essentially, in a theatrical point of view, this is what's happening as Uh, Just as in Inception, the movie ends, it's panning out, and you see in the corner of the shot, you begin to see that that top is still spinning and then it zooms in on it and then uh, just as it moves, the camera goes black and the movie's over. Part two begins with that same view of looking at the kids that are you know, hugging their dad and happy and the light music starts playing and it zooms out and then you see that and then you, and it's spinning, it gets louder and you see it shake, but then the movie just continues then. And we get to see what happens. That's what this overlap Is doing and what we're going to see now is what we would call the early church this is Jesus ascends the new covenant is set in stone is the covenant of grace created by the shedding of blood and his body given for us and we're going to see the church begin we're going to see the gospel Preach. We're going to see people hear the good news. They're going to repent of their sins. They're going to turn to God, and they are going to be added to the kingdom. And then those people that are added to the kingdom, which are the church, are then are going to then start meeting together in these smaller churches. And it's going to grow, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow. And, and part of the neat thing that we can look back in hindsight right now is that this started on the other side of the world. And now we're, uh, and, and it's told to, to, to all the nations, and now we're on the other side of the world able to read this as people of proof in some sense that this is maybe not completed, but that it has made great progress all the way around the world. But then we jump back to this beginning passage, and there's got to be something asked here. It is said, we know what the mission is. We know Jesus ascended. We talked about in previous sermons, what he ascended to, why it is good that he went, why it is good that we're waiting for the Spirit and the purpose of the Spirit. But the question is still there. And I proved it to myself by asking people this question Did the Holy Spirit not exist in the Old Testament? Because what, what, what are they waiting for? Right? And we would know, we're like, well, the gift that was promised. Was the Holy Spirit says you're going to be baptized with the Spirit. What they're waiting for is the Holy Spirit. Does that mean that this is the debut of the Holy Spirit? Was the Holy Spirit now just 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 born and now we are going to be blessed with that and we're going to see the beginning of it? And I would argue, um, very confidently, uh, that absolutely not. We have to get that out of our mind. The Holy Spirit is part of the triune God that always existed. In fact, if you go to Genesis chapter 1, you will see that the Holy Spirit is present there and part of creation. Absolutely, from the beginning of time there. Also, David, as he's mourning his uh, sin with Bathsheba, in Psalms 51, he says this, and some of this may sound familiar as it's part of a song as well. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Um, Throughout Ezekiel, we see that uh, over and over again, multiple times, we were promised a new heart and a new spirit. And um, there are plenty of other times. Our point is not to dig into it necessarily right here. But we're going to see this unfold. And what's important to know is that it's not that the Holy Spirit is new now, or that it hasn't been and now it is been, or that this is going to be some new awakening in the sense that the Holy Spirit has never had an impact in the world and now it is but there's something special, something different about it. I believe there's something sealed within the New Covenant that's important about this moment. But the Holy Spirit has absolutely existed. Uh, the second question that would come out of this would be, did the Old Testament saints have the in- indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Right? Well, because well, what they're waiting for, Brian, and I, I heard this, is, is the indwelling of the Spirit. And so I'd say, oh, so the Old Testament saints didn't have the Holy Spirit in them ever. Well, if you believe that the Old Testament saints were saved, we would have to admit that they did have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, how could they repent and be regenerated? Have their hearts circumcised or a new spirit? How could they even acknowledge God as the one true God? How could they have not acknowledged that God is good? How could they have seen their sins and their failures? And recognized that and associated that with a fallen man and a righteous God. We obviously believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in that process. In in Numbers chapter 27 verse 18, Joshua had the Holy Spirit dwelling within him. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 10, we see people that had the Holy Spirit inside of them, dwelling within them. So if that is true, and this New Covenant, New Testament, early church is waiting for something, what is that? Two of the questions that I I wrote out that I will not be answering um, are this. What are the effects of the Holy Spirit? I'm not going to answer that today. That will be drawn out through the course of this series. Uh, What is the difference between the Old Testament Holy Spirit indwelling and the New Testament Holy Spirit indwelling? Those are good questions. I think that those will be answered here. Now let's pause for a second. As we go through the book of Acts, we're going to hit a lot of things. Some of you guys are like, Brian, within the first two chapters, there's going to be people speaking in tongues, all sorts of things, and you're going to have to answer that. And for the first time, people are going to show up with a pad and a pad and, you know, in a pen, and they're, they're going to be taking notes like, he's going to fumble this so hard. Watch this. Watch this. And maybe I will. But we have to address these things. We have to address spiritual gifts. What is baptized in the Holy Spirit? How many times are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Did I not have the Spirit before? When I'm rebaptized, have I lost the Spirit before? But also, I don't necessarily believe those things are the point of Acts. But we still are going to address those things. We're going to talk about evangelism. or all of us to go? Right? Jack and Jake LeBar are taking off to Haiti uh, uh, to go serve there. And they feel convicted to do that. And so I would argue for them not to go then, if they feel God is calling them to, to go do that, for them not to, they would be sinning. Are we sinning by not going? I would say no, but how do we navigate that? We're going to see a lot of healings. We're going to see the early church have healings involved in it. Now, our question would be, is that normative or not? And I think the question practically is that we know people that are sick, struggling, and dying in our lives right now. Should we pray and expect as normative behavior as a follower of Jesus that God would and should and shall heal that person? And if there are healings and we're told to pray for healings, then when we do pray for healing for somebody and God doesn't heal that person, how do we live our lives the next day? We're going to talk about soteriology, salvation. We're going to have to ask the question Did you do anything to save yourself? We're going to ask the question Can you lose your salvation? These are, uh, these are big, big questions. And uh, my hope is that as we approach these subjects, we come with a very humble, submissive heart to the Word of God and be very, very gracious through the next year and a half or so. I want to read you something from the Heidelberg Catechism. This will help, I think, get our brains going and just give us some level of a standard from uh, what we could say way back when, what the standard was. The Heidelberg Catechism is made up of questions that they thought prudent to answer. And one of the questions was, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? Their answer was this. First, that the Spirit with the Father and the Son is eternal God. They are one God together. The Holy Spirit is part of the one triune God. Second, that the Spirit is given also to me so that through true faith he makes me share in Christ and all his benefits, comforts me, and will remain in me forever. And I think that's a good fundamental understanding to then begin to work through this book. To recap the overlap, which I think is important. Because it shows the connection. It's like this ends and then this picks up. It's Luke's intention. as part of the word of God. So the overlaps include the recipient being Theophilus. That Luke taught through the things from the beginning until Jesus' ascension. There were further instructions. Meaning that the disciples were tor- <laughs> told now to go do Something. And then they're supposed to wait. And we already know what they're waiting for. The answer's in there. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And then also, we see in both, the ascension. And I refer back to a sermon that we talked about, about why it was better that Jesus ascends. That's hard for our mind to grasp. If you haven't heard that sermon, I would suggest you go back and find that one and listen to that. There's a reason why it is better that Jesus ascends and why it is better that we are filled with the Spirit. And it has a lot to do with the cross and Jesus Christ. So, us wanting to dig into Acts, which is going to be... Uh, I, in my mind, I really believe that everybody that comes through this series is going to learn new things. Um, I'm going to learn it maybe three days earlier than you. That's the only difference. And we're going to work through this and study this together. And my hope is that our view... Of Jesus, redemption, salvation, the Holy Spirit, the effects of the Holy Spirit are sculpted by Acts and the rest of the letters in the New Testament. And that what we see on TV and through the radio and through our friend who believes this and our other friend who believes that, that those things are chiseled away as necessary as the firm foundation that we stand upon then actually paints the picture of what they are. And there's absolutely, it is, it is an exciting new chapter we're in as we leave Luke and go into Acts. What I'd like to do now, as we asked some good questions, we gave an overview of some of the depth of the series that is coming. Uh, we looked at the overlaps and the connections of uh, Luke to Acts. Um, that we're going to watch this video. Um, there's been a very positive response to these types of videos. And so we're going to show this one. This one's going to take us essentially through the first half of the book of Acts. It's going to break it down in eight minutes. And after those eight minutes, uh, the worship team's going to come up, and we're going to sing a very last song that says, Give Us Clean Hands. And before we do that, I just want to pray for us. As we enter this week, as we enter this series, and we grapple with some very serious things that could, um, could change um, our view of the Lord, and I believe for the better, because I believe that what we're going to talk about is true, and I hope the truth shapes us. So, with that, let's pray. Father, as we jump into studying Luke's writings, entitled Acts, that... Uh, that we be able to understand and identify the differences between prescription and description, and that we would fight against um, switching the two. I pray that uh, it would be encouraging to see your word change lives in the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands over and over again, all the way till we get to sit here on the other side of the world and enjoy sitting in your truth, and enjoy... If not all, a piece of the same commissioning or mission continuing to share this good news so that you are glorified and more people are added to your kingdom, as we uh, look at some gifts and, uh, provided by the Holy Spirit and some powers and provided by the Holy Spirit that we would uh, we would not work ourselves into needing to hear the letters of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, um, but that we would take those letters into consideration and that we would see how it all fits together. God, I pray that You are glorified. I pray that uh, the hearts of men and women and Cornerstone to be changed week after week after week as we study Your Word. And as uh, there's a sense of deforia that happens By the world trying to tell us who our God is, I pray that that would be corrected as we study the uh, true standard of who you are. God bless and anoint this series and this service and change us. We love you, and in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Cornerstone Church of Ione. We hope that you found it encouraging and challenging. Please feel free to share this podcast with friends and family, and we will see you all next week.